Hello and welcome to episode 34 of the Telling the Story podcast. This is the audio branch of the Telling the Story blog at tellingthestoryblog.com, a look at how journalists and everyone reach the world. I am Matt Pearl, author of the Telling the Story blog and a reporter at NBC in Atlanta. I always like meeting and interviewing people who have unique positions within the world of journalism. And at a time when so many TV stations and newspapers are combining jobs, Care TV in Minneapolis-St. Paul basically created a job for my guest tonight. He is a still photographer who in 2007 was named Minnesota Photographer of the Year. In 2011, he was named Journalist of the Year by the Minnesota Chapter of the Society of Professional Journalists. Now he plies his craft for a local television station's website. Ben Garvin, welcome to the Telling the Story podcast. Thank you. It's an honor to be on the show or the podcast. <laughs> and and uh, Ben, I, I feel like we've heard about the reverse of you, where a video journalist is hired by a newspaper. I can't recall someone else in your particular situation. Are you, as far as you know, one of a kind? You know, I I uh, I was I was trying to figure that out when I first got hired, just because it would be fun if I was. But you know, I can't imagine I am. I don't. I don't really know. You know. But but it is. It was. It was really. Uh, it, I guess it's kind of unusual. But it um, it made made good sense for me, and I think for Care. And uh, before we get to how you got to Care, tell me and tell the audience exactly what you do over there at well, Care Eleven. You know, I I'm I'm still kind of figuring that out, to be honest. It's <laughs> it, 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 you know, since it is kind of a new job in a way. Um, I have a skill set. Like I'm, a, I'm a still photographer. I know how to take still pictures. I've done it for many years at the newspaper. And I feel like I, I'm bringing that to care. But, but uh, I'm also, um, if I don't have things I'm shooting stills for, I get roped into the um, the daily needs of the, new, the, the 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 TV station, which is people to shoot video, which is something I, I actually enjoy doing, and I'm trying to learn and be better at. So um, I guess I, I guess I do both, uh, and and it depends on what's happening, I suppose, and what would be of most value to the station. Yeah, and uh, and you were a staff photographer for more than a decade over at the St. Paul Pioneer Press. Um, I know while you were there, you did some writing, but were you doing a lot of pre-produced packages like video and, and audio combinations? You know, at the Pioneer Press, I started a photo column I did for uh, like five or six years called Ant Farm. It was just like a, a documentary portrait and an interview with somebody. And that was for the newspaper. And I ended up making a book out of that. And that was kind of helped me think about going beyond the picture in a way, in, in a way that was, I found more meaningful. So, uh, I, then I started doing more, I did more audio and then eventually did more video. And I think there was a point in my career where I realized, you know, at the Pioneer Press, I was kind of the only person doing video and there was no one to learn from. I couldn't, I couldn't turn to my, my colleague and say, Hey, you know, what do you think of this edit or, or, or how do you, how do you use this technology? Nobody knew. So I would go to workshops and whatnot, but I feel like the learning curve had kind of had a plateaued for me. And I feel like part of the reason I, I, I wanted to be at a place like Karis because I could, I could turn to my left or right. And I'm a room full of like super talented video people, you know, Boyd Hubert and Jonathan Malat. And, uh, but, but, but I, I, they're the well-known folks, but there's just uh, dozens and dozens of people who are just so great at what they do. And to be able to have that as a resource, it's almost, I almost feel like I'm kind of like, like they don't quite realize the benefit I'm getting from this. Like I'm, I'm at like a, every day is like a workshop for me. You know, I'm just learning so much, and so that's been a real value to me. And and I think the challenge for me is to over time find a way to do work that I find meaningful, 
personally. And, and right now it's, I'm kind of like just learning the ropes and learning how to do the craft and learning how to, how a TV station works and TV is very different than, than newspapers. And that's the, that's that in itself has been kind of a, a fun and slightly shocking experience, you know? So <laughs> yeah, so I'm kind of taking my time to, to get my sea legs. What did care say that, uh, or the managers at care say that they wanted from you? Why did they, and who reached out to whom did you reach out to them or did they reach out to you? And, and what were they looking to get from you? I have been a friend of Boyd for a while. And I, I've, I've, uh, I've, you know, at one point I said, Boyd, you know, I'd, I'd love to work at care, you know, it'd be a, it'd be a fun place to work. And, and um, he set up, you know, he, he set up a meeting with um, the news director there, and I met with her and uh, the director of the online department, and they were both just really genuinely great people, and I could tell that they were interested in stories and journalism, and, and they were interested in my work because it was about people and, and story, you know, kind of human stories, and, and I think um, that that's ultimately where I want to be in the space. I want, I want to be able to tell tell kind of meaningful like you know, like the the Vikings thing you talked about, or we will talk about, but um, but just simple human stories, and I think that's where I want to be, and I think that they were really interested in that. You know, I mean, I, I I'm not as much as I am, I'm not as big on like chasing um the uh, the big news, although I I love doing all those things, but I, I I like to take my time to tell quieter stories. And I think Kara is interested in that. And uh, funny you mentioned the Vikings piece because I was just going to mention that the okay. piece of work that impressed me and, and made me want to interview you for the podcast was an edited video that you produced from Vikings training camp. And it was a series of still photos of a grandfather and grandson together just there watching training camp, uh, a story that probably nobody else picked out. Uh, I imagine it would just slip through the cracks of, of most people at training camp that day or most journalists there that day. But it was the grandson's first time watching camp in person. You picked up on that. You took a bunch of photos of them. And you combined those photos and audio interviews to produce a really heartwarming video and also a really original video. Is yeah. that something that, you know, are you out there shooting still photos and then you decide, let me take the initiative? Is that something that your bosses have said, hey, you know, try your hand at uh, doing these kind of video packages out of photos. What's the well, initiative there? Well, I was sent down to training camp for a day because I'm a still photographer, and they said just come up with something that we could put on the air, you know, for an hour and a, for a minute and a half. And and I, I didn't really know what the heck I was going to do down there. I was a little bit lost. You know, training camp is a visual nightmare. It's very redundant and you know, just just like. I, you know, I I don't know how to photograph football in a way that makes any sense anymore. It just looks the same <laughs> to me. So so when I happened to cross these, when I when I found these characters, I I just I lit up because I knew, um, you know, I was I was photographing for a while. I was thinking, okay, there'll be a little sliver of a larger piece I do about training camp. And I realized what I realized they were just so rich and so fun. And 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 I was like, okay, this is going to be so easy because once I had that as a focus, uh, everything else that it was distracting me, like these people passing and running around and there's just a plethora there's so many so many things to look at and it, it all meant nothing and I could just sort of sort of zero in on these um on these just really adorable little characters and um yeah that was a that was a fun moment to find them. The other thing that I noticed about that story is that I could not find it on CARE's website. It looked to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it looked like they only put it on their Facebook page, which is very interesting to me that they would choose to take a piece like that and really 
it, it almost seemed to me as if they didn't quite know what to do with it outside of TV. So they took this very original piece of content and threw it in a very innovative medium being Facebook where they could get a lot of response to it. You know, it is true that, that we originally did put it on Facebook first in part because it, it, it did run on, on TV, but it was scheduled for like a five or six days later for some special on the Vikings. And so the timeliness of it was kind of uh, getting a little stale. So we put it on Facebook first and then it ran again in another program a few days later. Um, and, you know, it was kind of a, uh, it, it ran on air. I, I wish I could have seen it because it's fun to see how the anchors introduce stuff and their reaction yeah. afterwards. No, I was, that's kind of a new thing for me to be able to see that because usually I just put a piece online and it, and it, that's it, you know, <laughs> but, but to get the little leverage. So, um, but yeah, there's been some wonderful comments on Facebook and I'm hoping that somebody buys them a ticket to their first Vikings game and I can do a follow-up story because that kid was so cute. As long as they buy <laughs> you a ticket or get you a press pass as well, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. This is the Telling the Story podcast. I'm Matt Pearl. He is Ben Garvin, still photographer for Care TV. And uh, and we should also mention that if you do hear a little background noise behind Ben, it is because he is uh, accomplishing what I consider a historic first for the podcast <laughs> as he closes his window. But Ben <laughs> is currently sitting on on his out on his porch on a swing. And to me, that's just marvelous, and I appreciate the just the outdoor feel, the overall relaxed atmosphere you're bringing to the podcast today. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, I just I'm just trying to really take this to the next level. I feel like that's my duty, you know. So I'm bringing it on the porch. <laughs> I want my uh, my next guest after this. Uh, hopefully, they listen to this podcast and they show up in a hammock because that would be, I think, the clincher for me. So we will yeah, see. That- that made me sad. <laughs> uh, ben, you know, we referenced this before. You started as a traditional photographer. You worked at the Pioneer Press for more than a decade. You, it sounded like you were looking for the challenge that television would bring. Was it a smooth transition in terms of how you all decided kind of what your role was going to be? You know, I, you know, there's a part of me that would, is is looking forward to talking about this at some point, and I can do it now. But I just, it it, it has been, it's really been interesting for me to come from a newspaper to a TV station because, I I, I uh, you know, there's there's no model for it. There's no model for for, for how to how to make me useful, uh, uh for for TV. So, uh, I, I'm learning that that. Uh, and, and you know, for 12 years, I, if I don't do anything, if I don't, I, I'm given assignments and I go shoot stuff and I go home and I drink a beer. It's like you know how <laughs> you can get into this routine where if you don't pitch stories or don't come up with with creative projects, people will give you work to do. I mean, and that's true at the TV station, but but the, the work uh, at the TV station I find generally less rewarding. Um, uh, and, I, and I and I don't. This isn't the day to day work you're we're talking about. What was that? The day to day yeah, work. Yeah, I mean, I mean daily work, daily grind work. Um, like uh, for often for the newspaper, I would go in and still have to get kind of moment-driven photographs. And, and uh, I mean, I guess it's true for TV, but I feel like at least maybe because I'm new, I'm, if I don't have a project I'm working on, I'm sent to a press conference or sort of stuff where I can't screw up as much. Cause, um, and, and, I, and I realize when I, when I go shoot video at a press conference and grab some B-roll of the reporter or whatever, um, that there are maybe 25 people who can do that better than me at CARE 11. Uh, you know, I'm, I, I can do it okay, but, but it isn't really where I want to be as a journalist is not really, you know, I, I feel like I'm still learning tons and, and th- there's great value in learning how the system works and how different reporters work and whatnot. And, and I don't, but I, I don't go, go home at night and, and think, Oh, 
I'm so glad I'm in journalism, you know, and I, and I do when I have a project I'm working on. And, and so, so my challenge at CARE 11 is to sort of carve a little creative niche and, and, and be more proactive for pitching stories. And I think that's what they want. They want me to come up with stories, come up with ideas, come up with really creative, fun ways of, of seeing things like the Vikings thing we talked about. And, 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 and I'm learning, and maybe it's taken me too long to learn this, but I need to be more aggressive and sort of just saying, hey, this is some fun stuff I want to do. I want to bring these still pictures to the table or I want to have this different way of telling stories. And, and, I'm, and um, you know, maybe I could mention I'm working on this project right now. Uh, can I talk about project I'm working on? Please, go right? ahead, yeah. Okay, uh, the state fair is coming up, um, and I'm working on this project uh, 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 where I'm, I'm having this big paper mache ear being built by a, a local artist in town, and, and I'm going to put a camera in the ear, and we're going to take it to the state <laughs> fair, and, and every day I'm going to have a different theme uh, for the 12 days of the fair, you know, like tell me a secret or tell me, tell me when you're most scared in your life or whatever, you know, really kind of uh, stories, uh, open-ended ways for, of people to tell stories that I hope evoke some sort of human, real emotion, but also just whimsical stuff, like tell me a joke and talk to two-year-olds, to have you know, whatever, um, and then produce a, a daily video from the State Fair from the Care 11 ear. So, um, <laughs> I, you know, put a GoPro in the ear and then and then shoot cut shots from it and whatnot. So that, I'm still kind of designing that, how that's going to work, but, but I think that's going to be a really fun, creative way to kind of get at some of the stuff I, I've loved to do in the past, which is just... Um, really human, really real, uh, touching, but also kind of uh, smile worthy. I mean, I, I'm not a, I, I'm not drawn to the stories that make people cry as much as I am laugh and and feel a little bit of joy. So I think that I'm hoping that's going to, you know, create some room for me to do some fun stuff. It sounds like you have a lot of room to freelance, and and I don't mean freelance in the business sense of the word, where you know you're a freelance employee, but it sounds like you have. Uh, some latitude when it comes to if you find a project that really excites you, you'll get the go-ahead relatively easily. Am I reading that wrong, or is that kind no? Of... That's ex- that's exactly right. And, and see, like that's something that I'm sort of starting to rec- recognize on my own um, because when I first became came to care, I just I just wanted to not screw up. I wanted to not, you know, I wanted to be able to, to to perform in a way that was useful to the station. And 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 I kind of realized that was almost a mistake. I need to sort of um, uh, because like we talked about this Vikings thing, that was like one of the first things I did that I felt really great about. And it's one of the first things that everyone in the newsroom when it came by my desk, man, that was so awesome. You know, and like everyone loved it. And so I, I realized I, I can, I can just start doing stuff that, that on my own and pitching it. And, and they will, they're eager to make room for that because I, they have a lot of photographers and they, you know, I, I'm kind of separate from the traditional TV photographer in the sense that I'm not, I mean, when there's big news that I will be used, but Typically, I do have a little more latitude to take a creative angle on stuff, and so I think I'm going to start doing that more and more that I get more comfortable and settled in. And I did want to ask about just the traditional sense as well. I mean, do you think that there is, for a TV station, and again, you know, I've interviewed newspaper photographers who have been, you know, fretting about the fact that no one seems to want their masterpieces anymore because it's it's up on the web quickly and, and the degradation of quality apparently isn't as noticeable online as it is when it's blown up in print. So do you provide an additional value in those traditional stories when you're able to give uh, CARE 11 a photo on a story, a still photo that goes on their website that, you know, that's the only place it's going to go. There's no print publication they're working on. No, absolutely. And you know what? That's good to mention this because I've been working with Boyd, 
uh, Boyd Hubert, who does this Land of Ten Thousand Stories column, uh, you know, a, a series once a week. It's there, you know, he's a, he's one of like he's just a super talented guy, and he does amazing stories, and he works with uh, really talented photographers. But I've been going out on his stories and just shooting a, a series of still photos and kind of moment-driven photos uh, that um, uh, you know can run separately online. Um, Boyd uses them for social media. Care Eleven tweets them, so they they kind of upgrade the visual quality of the online posts. Because if you put a, share something on Facebook, it's usually a still photo with a link to a story to go watch or a link to a video. So I think uh, having me around to sort of upgrade the quality of those and really make them more compelling um, has been really useful. And it's been fun for me to be valued in that way because uh, you know Boyd stories are always really interesting and fun. So. Um, that has been something that I've been trying to do a little more of is take more stills for, for, you know, not just boards, but other stories that, that can be, that can be useful. Like we've had big protests or whatnot, you know, and, and that's something I can contribute that's really different and takes their journalism to a different place and tells it from a different angle. And I like that idea about the, the social media component there too, because we all send out tweets of, of still photos from our stories and how great would that be to be able to just boost up the quality and upgrade it a little bit and make, you know, in a flood of tweets that someone is seeing, suddenly you have a, a more eye-catching photo because yours was shot by a still photographer who yeah. uses a beautiful still photography camera to do it. So that makes a lot of sense, and I could see where that would help certainly someone like Boyd who wants to tease out those kind of moment-driven stories. Yeah, no, it's it, it, it's true. Boyd is a – I'm like Boyd's, Boyd's best friend when, he, when he's doing a story. You know, he really tries to get me to go shoot it because he knows that – um, it just makes it more fun social-wise, you know. I mean, it gets out there to. It's not always the case, but it does. It does kind of upgrade the social media reach when you have quality still pictures, and I think that's something we're all starting to realize more and more. Now, uh, I, I wanted to bring up something. You uh, you seem to be someone who knows no bounds in terms of media. You've written a book, as you said. You have a website. Uh, when you worked at the Pioneer Press, you had the Flash Garvin blog. Uh, yeah. which was fascinating, and I was reading a few of the entries earlier, and I hope you give it some sort of a reincarnation somewhere, first of all, because it was, it was cool. pretty good. And cool. I want to talk about a post you wrote last year on April 1st where you announced <laughs> that the stations – or that the, uh, the newspaper's photo staff would, moving forward, be shooting entirely with iPhones – you went ahead and listed all the reasons why iPhones had now trumped traditional cameras. This was all written from a very humorous, sarcastic tone, and of course, this post wound up being an April Fool's joke. What are your real thoughts about the ubiquity of cameras in all of our daily lives and how that affects your job as a still photographer? You know, that's a good question, and I appreciate you asking that. Uh, I wrote that post as a still photographer at a newspaper making fun of this notion that we're all going to lose our jobs because everyone can take a picture. And, and, and in reality, I don't think that's true. And I think I, we're learning that the, uh, you know, you know, in that post I said, you know, uh, now that we have iPhones, um, you know, why do we need photographers? You know, I, I haven't seen one picture that's not worthy of publication from an iPhone. They're all amazing, which is obviously absolute BS because uh, we see tons of crappy pictures. Um, and I, I think in some ways, um, it's it's it just served as a kind of a widespread lesson that 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 great photographers can use any any tool, and so uh, it, it, I know from a, from a perspective of a newspaper photographer, I love that all of our reporters had phones and could take quality pictures because it allowed me not to have to go shoot a headshot of the new city council member. They could shoot that, and I could work on a long term story or document something that was more meaningful. 
Um, so I, 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 I had big in-house training sessions trying to teach reporters how to take more moment-driven photos, trying to really encourage them to, to think more um, moment-driven with their images. And I think that's something I hope to do at CARE 11 at some point where I can help reporters think about taking pictures in a way that is, you know, more natural light, more moments, more things that are just have a higher quality photos. Because so, uh, in some ways it just, it frees everyone up to do the work they care about even more when we're not stretched to do, you know, all, you know. So, no, I, I think it's actually an incredible reporting tool and I have no fear about the about them taking over jobs. I think it's just going to make us all better at what we do. That's, that's my hope. And it does seem, and you just brought this up about what you do with Boyd stories, but it does seem that when you have, uh, when you use a traditional camera and you're taking traditional photos, suddenly they just have that extra bit of oomph to them. And even on a phone or even on uh, just looking at a Twitter feed, I feel like it, it, I feel like it shows up. I feel like you do find that, oh yeah, that photo just pops out a little more and that might make me look at that tweet for, you know, a tenth of a second longer. And that might be all you need to get someone to click on the link or watch a story that night. So I do, I, I do see kind of what you're saying about that it's not just the photo that goes in the newspaper or the photo that goes on the website. But it's a series of locations and a series of media, both social and traditional, where that photo can then be used. Is that, is that kind of your take on what you now provide? Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And um, you know what? I, um, give me one second. My phone has 1% on battery power. I'm going to get my charger. I'm really sorry. Yes, and I will keep talking. Ben has now moved inside the house. Uh, if only this was a video podcast because I'm watching Ben move through the hallways and staircases of his home, presumably looking for a charger. And I will take this opportunity to yes. remind you that this is the telling the story podcast. I'm Matt Pearl. He is Ben Garvin, a still photographer at care 11 TV in Minneapolis, St. Paul and uh, Ben giving me the thumbs up. So yeah. I will now let you resume your comments about kind of that ability of you now as a still photographer to provide photos that serve a variety of media in a variety of ways. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, when I take a picture now at um, the TV station, it, it could be used for, um, you know, tweeting, but for Facebook, but also they often will use them in the monitors behind the reporters. So uh, when the reporters are introducing a story, uh, if I if I take still photos for an event or whatnot, they'll hopefully, if you know, if I can communicate this ahead of time, use some of the pictures in, behind the reporters and whatnot. So, um, you know, yeah. <laughs> I think you need a second to catch your breath, right? Yeah, thank you. Well, I did want to kind of move into the last portion of the podcast, which is traditionally uh, an advice portion. I always like to use this section to kind of ask my guest for advice for young storytellers. And I think with you, um, you know, I I'd mentioned at the top of the podcast some of the awards you've won and, and some of the prestige that you've gained, certainly in the Twin Cities, let alone in the industry as a whole. Uh it certainly seems that much of your success has come from diversifying your skills. And it seems that a lot of diversifying your skills has come from just what seems to be kind of an innate desire to learn more an innate desire to tell stories, however you can. And, and just to kind of, you know, be a sponge for how to be a photographer of many stripes. No, I, I think you're kind of, you're saying exactly what I would like to say, which is, uh, 
I do I do love to learn. Um, you know, I think one thing I've I've found is it's easy to be distracted by new technology, and I've often done that. I've you know the, the new fancy cameras or the GoPros or the the, the technology is so amazing now. Um, and, 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 you know, people want to talk to me about the technology and, and, and I have fun with that, but I think sometimes I have to sort of step back and say, okay, this is exciting, but really, why am I doing this? What is it that I love about this job? It's not, not the cameras. It's about, it's the people or, you know, the stories, which was a a cheesy thing to say, but really is, you know, how can we use these new tools to get at something that's real, get at something that's human, get at something that's new, you know, and I feel like as a journalist, I always want to be. Uh, bringing something new because I think if I don't surprise people either with uh, an emotional surprise or just a cool picture like wow that is so cool look at me then then my work will dissolve into the cascade of mediocrity we see online every day and I think that's the risk we all take as journalists is is the work we produce is it going to be seen you know do we, we don't want to just produce work into a vacuum and have it you know be turned off we want it to be shared and and I think we all want to be at a place where we can sort of tickle the sharing bug in our mother, you know, when our mom watches our work, what is our mom going to watch and say, oh, I got to show this to my friends. Mm-hmm. And, and if we can get to that space as journalists, I feel like we're, we're, uh, we're succeeding. And, and I think to getting there, uh, you could do it through just really sweet, heartfelt stories like, like uh, the ones I see from people all across the country or, or, or from an amazing photograph or from just like a, uh, a really neat, underwater video with the GoPro, like, I mean, whatever you want to do, but, but, it, but new and real and something we haven't seen before. It's something that makes us feel something. Uh, uh, I think that's what, that's where I want to be every day. And, and that's, that's where I'm, I'm not there every day, but that's, that's, mm-hmm. I kind of know where I want to be. You know, I, uh, I ask most guests their advice for those just starting out, but I think given your success and your awards, it would almost be appropriate to ask you as well, Kind of what is your advice for getting to that next level? So for those in the business grinding away, maybe they've done it a few years or maybe they've done it five to ten years and they feel like they've plateaued to a certain extent. What is the secret? What is your philosophy as far as continuing to improve and continuing to push yourself? Yeah, well, I think um, I think I think that it, this is different for every every person. And I, and I think um uh, it's not limited to just storytelling. Cause I know that for a long time, you know, I had, I have four kids and, and they were all young for a while. And, and it was the mo- as much as I could do was just to, just to be a, a good dad and someone who wasn't pissed off all the time, changing poopy diapers, you know, like, so, so I invested my creative energy in parenting and my work was, you know, mediocre and I just kind of clocked it in. And, and I think, and I think we need to be ready to forgive ourselves, uh, and not always, um, necessarily feel like, like, um, you know, comparing ourselves. And I think um, that's easy to do when there's so much work online. We check on Facebook and everyone's doing amazing stuff. And we think, oh, what are we doing? So, um, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm just kind of a little reality check there. Um, it, and I also, I like to remind people that, you know, when I talk to students or whatnot, that um, people who are doing something that you want to do love to talk about it. So let's say uh, as a student that wants to be a photographer and they think what I'm doing is great, they call me up and say, Ben, I love your work. You know, I'd like to come. To, I, I would be like so flattered. And, you know, I love to be told I'm nice and whatever. And and <laughs> I, I, I and, and that shadow. And I, I just feel like sometimes people forget that 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 people who are doing something that they that we admire like to be told that and can be reached out to and you can shadow them or whatnot. I, I remember when I was a student, I, I uh, called the director of photography at Time Magazine and I said, yeah, I'm a student at RIT, and I, I just wanted to know if I could stop by and show you my work. And she's like, oh, come on up. 
you know, I, students never call me. And I, I went up to like to the 50th floor of a uh, Rockefeller Center in New York City and showed her my portfolio. And she, she said to me, I don't know why more people don't don't call me up. And it, and it just made me think, you know, uh, it, it's I think if you want a mentor, you can just kind of reach out and grab one and start talking to people that you admire and, 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 and ask them how they do. I mean, kind of like what you're doing now, uh, just talking to people that you think are doing cool work or learning, learning about it. Um, and you don't and need so, to have a podcast to do it. You can just email people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. So that's that's great. Yeah. I, I did want to touch on something you mentioned, and it, not sure. really a, a question I had planned on asking, but you mentioned, you know, how suddenly your work, as focused and driven as you were with your work, that became very difficult once you uh, started raising children. And I am curious to that. Was that a frustrating? period for you professionally in as much as you were devoting yourself uh, to your family. And I, I have no doubt, you know, you wouldn't have done it any other way, but yeah. was it difficult from work standpoint? Because obviously suddenly your attentions are far more divided than they were yeah. beforehand. Oh yeah. I think for sure. I mean, uh, uh, I, 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 you know, I want to come home from my job and feel like I, I've done something meaningful regardless of, of the crap that's going on in my life at home. Um, but um, sometimes that's, that was hard to achieve. You know, when you have, um, we had twins and whatnot, and it was like not a lot of sleep. And um, I, I'm, it's, it's not, not martyrdom here, but it is just reality that, that life, uh, life is, is always part of, is, is, is life goes beyond our work. Um, so, uh, you know, there's another point I was going to make about this. I, I, it's slipping my mind, but um Oh, 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 the other thing I was going to say is that you know we were talking about being storytellers and how to be better storytellers, but 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 um I think it's okay to ask ourselves how can we be better people, and sometimes that means we don't have to work as hard at work, or or sometimes it means we can quit our job and be a school teacher and go back to school and graduate school and and do something entirely, you know. So I I feel like you know the question you're asking is how can we be better um, at our job? How can we how can we feel more fulfilled? And I think the answer to that is is not just maybe learning new tools or, or learning how to tell stories, but it could be like an entirely different career. And I, I think that something that I've, I've played with, um, and I, I just feel like uh, there's really no, I think this is an obvious thing to say, but it's, it's a different thing for everybody. And, and, and uh, I think it's exciting to sometimes step back and think what would really, what would really give us meaning in our lives. And sometimes that may be something entirely different than what we're doing right at that moment mm. as a career. Was that part of why you felt the need to kind of shake it up and give television a shot? That, and I also wanted to be able to feed my family. <laughs> <So> <laughs> newspapers is really not where it's at when it comes to like ha having money long term. <laughs> I mean, I it's is this a reality about it? You know, I, I you know you just you don't know if you're gonna have a job next year when you're working at a newspaper, and it's a sad um, state and it's it's a pity, but it's the reality. And I TV's making money, and it's not. Um, it's not going away, you know. So, um, so I was able to to find a way to keep doing what I love and grow and stay in a city that I love, and and being at Care Eleven was a way I could do that. Kids, the ultimate goal of anything: feed your family. Yes, Get that job done, <laughs> so <true>. please. <laughs> That's so true. Yeah, Ben, I, I want to thank you for taking so much time this evening. I always like to give my guest the last word. I'll ask you that famous reporter's question: Is there anything you wanted to add? that we haven't touched on that, that you feel might be relevant to the conversation. Yes. I made a viral video called magic beard that everyone should go watch and <laughs> share so I can make another five cents off of it. 
Between uh, Magic Beard and the paper mache ear, you definitely seem to be getting a lot of mileage out of uh, quirky uses for facial elements. Yes, <laughs> that's true. I mean, we'll see what the ear, how the ear turns out. But I did. I, I, uh, I the Magic Beard. I got a lot of mileage out of that. That was like my one-hit wonder. More, more people saw that than than anything I've ever done in in journalism, which is kind of depressing, but also just like the way it is, you know. Yeah, so. you never can quite tell what's going to be that that big hit, right? Yeah, exactly. Ben Garvin from the porch. Thank you so much for joining me <laughs> on the Telling the Story podcast. That was a real honor. Thanks for having me. And the Telling the Story blog updates every Monday and Wednesday. The website is tellingthestoryblog.com. Rate and review this podcast on iTunes. And thank you for listening to this episode of the Telling the Story podcast. We'll see you next time.